0: 100% Wild Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the nation's number one GPS hunting app. Download today in the Google Play and App Store.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Chelsvik, joined by Mr. Matt
0: Drury. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited because we got part two today with uh, Rob Keck. And, you know, I, I just mentioned off air... I feel like we could go on and on and on with him. The poor guy; he's only got so much time. So we're going to try to squeeze another uh, podcast in real quick with him. Wealth of knowledge. Probably needs no introduction, but Tim, why don't you introduce our next guest?
1: Yeah. So we have Mr. Rob Keck from Bass Pro Shops. He is probably the most notable conservationist, accomplished hunter that we've had on. And, And I have to ask you this, Rob, right out of the gates, you were on... TNN back in the the 90s and i i wonder did you ever meet shotgun red
2: <laughs> actually i did i had shotgun yes. red actually come to the nwtf convention let me tell you a little bit about tnn and, and nwtf turkey call breaking into television you know i tried i don't know how many times to pitch the idea that There's a following out there in the outdoor world for a turkey show. And uh, those guys just, they didn't want to hear it. And I just, I kept badgering them. And finally they said, okay, we will give you a shot. But what they didn't want to do was to do it in first and second quarter. Because up until that time, fishing made up the entire programming of TNN and ESPN2 in first and second quarter quarter. There was not a hunting show. And, uh, they said, okay, we'll put you in what we call the death slot Saturday morning at <laughs> <Sounds> eight 30. <promising. laughs> you get any kind of ratings at all. Uh, we'll keep you on. What they didn't realize was that hunters didn't have anything else to listen to or to watch on outdoor television. So guess what? After the first year we went to prime time, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was sort of the pioneering of hunting coming into first and second quarter on, mm-hmm. on outdoor television. So oh, yeah. I, I feel like a pioneer having broken the glass, broken the ice to, to get all of us, you know, on television year round and uh, shotgun red. Oh, he was a lot of fun. <laughs> he came to our conventions. We had him on stage. I don't know how many times and uh, uh, you know those TNN days were a lot of fun. It was a much smaller family outdoor television. Of course, had just a limited number of sp- mm-hmm. of producers, and uh, we got to spend a lot of time with all the stars and celebrities on uh, on TNN, Crook and Chase, and oh, yeah. you know all those kind of shows we got to appear on, and it was a lot of fun. I
1: grew up on TNN, and, and I think Video Morning with Katie and Al, and oh my gosh, I and Shotgun yeah. Red, I just.
0: I, we didn't have cable. Dad was too tight. Yes, <laughs> really? I don't know. No, I think we were in too much of
2: a rural area. We didn't have any.
0: Yeah. We didn't have anything. Literally, I had about three channels. So, wow.
2: yeah. I but mean, I'm even going to back up further. This is before TNN or before outdoor programming uh, was there. Uh, I did the Mike Douglas show the night that Ronald oh Reagan goodness. was elected president. Okay. Oh wow! I did it with Bob Hope, Ernest Borgnine, and Hank. <laughs> And, uh, one of my favorite pictures is with Hank and I, we were on stage. It was a Thanksgiving show. Mm-hmm. And when we were backstage, uh, they had this domestic Turkey, big old fat, dumb domestic Turkey stayed in full spread all the time. <laughs> you could make any noise and the Turkey would gobble. But at the end of the show, I brought out, uh, i had Neil cost make these long boxes, uh, box calls. And I gave one to each one of uh, the guests, Bob Hope. Borgna, all of them out there, and Hank. And then I had the uh, audience, I had them alhoo. I gobbled, and then they called, the guests called. And uh, we had a big time with that. And then the second part of that, they brought this big old turkey out, and Hank and I went over to the turkey to try to make him gobble. Well, as much as he gobbled beforehand, it was just the opposite now. He would not gobble at all. Sure. We would call, and that turkey, all he would do was strut, drum, and poop all <laughs> over that stuff. <laughs> and it was, that. it was wild. It was wild. And uh, you know, the people at Wild Turkey Bourbon actually lined that up for us and then made a lot of other appearances on Johnny Carson, The Tonight Show, The John Davidson Show. And so we really gave a lot of nationals exposure mm-hmm. to a broad audience about turkey calling back, and a lot of people don't even realize that today.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I know back in the day, like you know, the winners of the the big you know calling contests would end up on like Letterman or something like that. You know, you it's, it's we've come a, a long way since then, and and you know, I I couldn't imagine you don't see that very often anymore. Where we get that kind of like prime time spotlight as a as hunters. Yeah, we've fallen out of the mainstream. I feel yeah like.
2: yeah, mm-hmm. which because you know, I'm not at NWTF anymore.
0: That's right. That's right. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Yeah, that's, you know, we talked about in the last podcast, but how many years were you there? Was it close to 30 years
2: or so you were at NWT? 30 30 years, 27 as the CEO.
0: It's incredible. So Rob's done as much, if not more for the, the wild turkey than than just about anybody in in modern day society. So we have him to thank for the crazy passion that we have and the obsession that we have. (laughs) Well, I want to share
2: that though, you know, the restoration, certainly we had a big hand in leading the way, but you know, there are many, many partners and I don't want to discount them at all. Our state fish and wildlife agencies, uh, you know, we were very proud to partner with, we had a lot of volunteers, members of the NWTF that, sat on bait sites and assisted with you know boxing up those turkeys and help moving them uh, Mm -hmm. as the biologists then would take and we'd send them to other other states or uh, even other countries and uh, it was quite an amazing feat that so many people had a part in i was just fortunate to be able to to be the quarterback on all that stuff man
1: so many stories
0: yeah so what before we get into the question of the day i know i got limited time but that that is something that kind of fascinates me and you don't hear a lot like say you know i'm 38 and i'd say my age range and younger may not know kind of the history They kind of probably take it for granted how many wild turkeys we have now mm-hmm. and may not know just kind of the backstory of what the nwtf uh, really did so what well, you know in, in a quick synopsis how, how How did they go about um, um, trapping those birds and moving them to the different location? Was there like a certain area that they were transporting them from, or was it all over the place? Kind of give us a backstory there.
2: Well, first of all, every state had their own program, and every state was at a different level. You know, when, when I started the Federation, Missouri had a lot of their restoration done. North Missouri was just beginning to happen. We helped that a lot. Florida was just about completed. And so as uh, Missouri completed their restoration, they were really the seed source for a number of other states that uh, that got turkeys. In fact, when you look at the province of Ontario, we had eight different states that gave turkeys to that place. and of course they have spread uh, all across there. and. Uh, You know, turkeys we put in Maine have gone up in Nova Scotia, but, uh, you know, there were all kinds of deals that were made. Sometimes there were trades, you know, state like uh, uh, Ohio would trade uh, somebody for river otters. And in other places, uh, I think Pennsylvania wanted pheasants for uh, trading out turkeys. And, uh, you know, and some of them were just outright gifts. And we, I don't, I hate to use the word broker, but we did. We were in a position where we knew who had turkeys, we knew who needed turkeys. You know, I started the federation. There were only thirty states that had spring turkey seasons, and uh, I looked at states like Delaware uh, that had zero turkeys at all, and we worked with a number of agencies that uh, contributed. New York, for example, Missouri, Pennsylvania. Uh, we brought turkeys into there. And uh, once we got them established, then we bought uh, rocket nets and we had our volunteers from our state chapter that sat on those uh, bait sites and helped capture them and then moved them to other parts of the state. And a really cool story. As I mentioned, you know there were no turkeys in Delaware when I started the Federation. When they finally got them established, uh, what was really cool, they came to us, uh, Delaware Game and Fish, and asked us to help them Establish, develop their seasons and bag limits, which we did, and we took what we saw were good things that were done in other states and recommended them to to the agency. And then they were so thankful for the contributors of other states. They said that their limited draw the first couple of years they would have ten percent of those permits allocated for non residents. Well, you can imagine the first year. Nobody was really wanting to go to Delaware turkey Mm hunting, but I put in, and I got drawn, and I was so fortunate in that I got to kill the first turkey of modern times in the state of Delaware, in a place where they'd been gone for over 100 years. So I got to see, you know, a state that went from zero to a huntable population, take the first turkey, and then that evening, I shared that. I took and filleted that thing out. We had fried turkey, and we toasted a wild turkey bourbon with all the Game and Fish guys, our volunteers. And what a memorable success story that was. Just proud to have been part of it.
0: That's awesome. I I love these stories. That is full circle. (laughs) That's so awesome, man. I love it. Just whisper to the bird, I brought you here. (laughs) (laughs) And then fry them up. (laughs) Unreal. Well, so so why don't we get to our question of the day? Yeah, absolutely. The question of the day is brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Your adventure starts here.
2: Hi, I'm Rocky Moody from Brookville, Ohio. I have a question for opening day here in Ohio. Uh, I'm going to be set, setting close to the roost and wanted to know, should I use decoys? Public land? Thanks.
1: Public land sounds like a question.
0: Well, Well, that's kind of the caveat to it, right? Like... It's a different bug. Like I would have said, yes, to use a decoy. And then he said it was public land. I, Rob, what are your thoughts here?
2: Well, first of all, I don't think it makes any difference whether it's public or private land, whether you're using decoys or not. I think when you use them properly set up, properly fine, it depends how close to the roost this guy really wants to get. I look back in my early days, and I'm sure Mark and Terry the same way before decoys even became popular we didn't even use them. We allowed the call to bring that turkey to help him glide right into our lap. And so I would ask the question first of all, do you really need them? I think so many people use decoys as a crutch. And many times you don't need them. Sometimes those turkeys don't even want to see them, as I'm sure you've experienced. Yeah. So don't think that just using decoys is going to ensure your success. Uh, I would probably approach it even though it's, you know, since it is public land, uh, I would probably get in there, you know, within maybe a hundred yards of that bird if you can, and then just simply tree call to him, forget the decoys, and uh, you can have them with you because if you happen to get cut off by a hen, you may want to then reposition and try that turkey or another one, maybe using your decoys. But, uh, you know, think about, your positioning more importantly than the decoys themselves
1: i i kind of feel the same way about decoys as i do my tree stand and deer hunting a lot of times i feel like it's kind of become a comfort blanket or a crutch and i if i if i hunted less with decoys and focused more on becoming a better caller i'd become a better turkey hunter and maybe trying to take a deer on the ground would make me a better deer hunter as opposed to always having to climb up into a tree but it's not comfortable it's not you know, it takes more time and
0: well, skill. Well, Rob mentioned something in the previous podcast about <coughs> the, the constraints on people's time, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you you know, a lot of times you're wanting uh, the beauty of our industry and the, the industry side of, of hunting is that you've all these cool new products have come out and, it, you know, they're not... Just gimmicks. I mean, a lot of them are, really are helpful tools in, in being able to be more successful. And so, you know, you guys, you got guys like Rob and Mark and Terry and the Cus Stricklands, the Ray Eyes that they are accomplished hunters in in every way. And they probably don't need that crutch. And then there's guys like you and I that <laughs> Not are so much. just on the other end of that spectrum. <laughs> right. And we'll take every little, you know, little doodad that we can get to try to help, mm-hmm. you know, get. An edge. Um, but to your point, I think, and Rob's is I think if you would commit yourself not to doing that, you might surprise yourself and and actually learn learn a lot more. Sure.
2: I think you will. You know, we've lost a lot of woodsmanship out there, and and uh, you know, we've had great innovations in products, and I certainly don't mean to downplay decoys at all. I don't mean to downplay uh the fact that uh you know some people want to use a pop-up blind but we've certainly made it a lot easier and that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But one thing that has happened is that I think that we've lost the encouragement of woodsmanship of learning how to hunt more than just sitting in that pop-up line with a decoy at a measured distance in a food plot. Uh, you know, that's one that, uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of, uh, woodsmanship to do and, and again i think there's fun it, that it's fine i love to take kids out that way first time hunters but you know there's another thrill to going out there and, and trying to go one on one with that turkey using your woodsmanship understanding positioning and patience and all the elements that go into to having a successful hunt
0: it definitely takes it to a much different Place. Yeah. And the intensity of it is much different. You know, not being able to move an inch you know without fear of a hen that's next to you catching you or ruining mm-hmm. the hunt or a doe or whatever the case may be so i definitely agree with you we got an email through our website you know maybe a month or so ago a, a guy was pretty upset with us because one of our shows uh over in the Pursuit channel the natural born one of the turkey hunts was showing you know decoys in use and he really kind of jumped Jumped our butts about it, and uh, I, and I always reply, you know, and try to be very respectful and just say, you know, thank you for the email, and can't disagree with your comment. But uh, they tend to booger, you know, booger turkeys as much as they tend to help you it's bring them 100%, in. 100%, it's not 100, and boy, he come back and he just jumped me like, <laughs> oh, you can't tell me that they're all, you know, they, you know, you have no woodsmanship, and you know, at that point, I quit replying because yeah. I was in a no-win battle but you're right. Like just because you're using them doesn't mean that they always want to, want to come into them, you know, whether it's using a, a, a full strut decoy might, might scare them yeah, off it's or, them.
1: yeah, it's a, you just never know. My buddy shared video with me from his hunt this past weekend. He was hunting a, a horse, a, a, a horse ranch and his decoy brought in um, a walker. <laughs> and so this horse is stomping around his decoy and and sniffing it and it just completely ruined the hunt. So they're not always they're not always helpful. Yeah. But, 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 you know, you mentioned the difference between public land and private land. And when I think of public land and using decoys, I've, I've heard stories and friends that have had kind of spooky situations, safety, having like one of my buddies had his hen decoy shot while he was, while he was sitting near it. And that can happen on private land also, but it's probably a little less likely that that that'll happen. And what what do you think about in terms of the safety aspect, Rob?
2: Well, we did a lot of work on that. I'd created the Turkey Hunter Safety Task Force. And believe it or not, more incidents, turkey hunting accidents occur on private land than they do on public land. Wow. Uh, I know it would be surprising to you, but all the statistics show that. And, uh, you know, so many times on private land, two guys hunting together, they would say, you know, certainly we're here by ourselves. And uh, they'd say, This accident, you know, an accident couldn't happen to me. And there are so many incidents actually where a buddy shoots a buddy. And fortunately, we've reduced turkey hunting accidents or, as the hunter ed instructors want to say, incidents Mm. to a much lower level than what they were 30 years ago. So our track record has certainly improved, I think, through education and what have you. But believe it or not, the age group of the people that committed the crime or made the errant shot, their average age was 45 plus and had over 15 years turkey hunting experience. They were not beginning hunters. (laughs) And uh, there's a whole lot of psychology because into this, I could go on, I could do an entire show just on that alone. And uh, I think that, you know, don't feel that just because you're on private land that you're going to be safe.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, it's a good takeaway. It, it, it's, it's the same thing in a lot of like motorcycle riding or guys that have been doing it for a long time. Kind of forget the level of respect and reverence they need to have for the tools at play, and can get a little lazy sometimes. And I, I could see that being the case.
2: I know one illustration that I'll share with you. That you say, "Okay, how can this happen to an experienced runner?" All right, let's take for example. You're driving down the interstate. And you look down the interstate and you see along the side of the road you see what you think is a dead skunk you know it's a dead skunk you've seen dead skunks on this stretch of highway before you've smelled them you used to trap up there in the hill and you caught them in your fox sets and uh you're getting closer and you can see the white tip and the tail and the little bit of white uh, on on its head and you're saying man look at look at that skunk and you get up there to it and it's a blown out white wall tire and somebody that's never seen a skunk can't connect the dots like somebody that has. And if you put yourself in this hunting scenario, the more dots you connect, the more convinced you become that what you're looking at is actually a turkey. Mm. And uh, you know, you you're in a play. Let's just say you're in you're in the woods. You're in a scenario. You say, "Okay, I'm here because I've heard turkeys before." You connect the next dot. You've heard a turkey so you know that it's there you connect the next dot you heard it fly down you keep connecting dots and the more dots you connect the more convinced you become and so now you are in a situation where okay i hear that turkey walking sounds just like turkeys you've heard before coming through the leaves you so you connect another dot and uh you say okay okay I hear that sound. I can. I know for sure that that's that turkey dragging its wings. You connect another dot. And then you see a flash of red and then white. And you said, yep, right there is the head of that turkey. I'm going to just hold it right on there. And here it is. It's your buddy that was coming in to you, to your call. And he just pulled out a pack of Marlboro cigarettes. And he was pulling one of those cigarettes out by his mouth. And what you thought, what you were convinced was that turkey's head was actually that pack of cigarettes that that guy that your buddy had up there next to his head. And you squeezed the trigger. Sounds impossible to happen. I've read so many reports. And the one I just described to you was a good friend of mine. He was president of the Pennsylvania State Chapter uh, uh, of the NWTF. And he was killed doing that very thing. Oh wow. On yeah, private land.
0: Pretty heavy stuff.
2: Yeah, it is. I think you just always got to convince yourself, you know, that uh, you can make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to always make sure of what that target is. And uh, don't become confused. Don't connect so many dots that you lose sight of what your target really should be.
1: It's a great point. And, and that that's the kind of story that will end up in the news. Yeah and, yeah, and continues to create a narrative in people's mind, a false narrative about hunters and hunting. A hunter safety. Right. right yeah. Right.
0: Wow. We've
2: got an amazing track record. We've improved it so much over the years. Mm-hmm. So...
0: well we appreciate you sharing the story with us certainly yeah
1: rob has been very gracious with it with his time we want to make sure we get to uh the wildlife word wildlife word is uh not brought to you by anyone except for me
0: yeah that's (laughs) why it's so crazy
1: (laughs) (laughs) and it's timely the wildlife word is it's actually a term pecking order ah Pecking order is a hierarchy of status seen among members of a group of animals. Like the
0: pecking order we have here, it's Mark and Terry mm-hmm. and then the rest of us. Yeah, <laughs> everybody else. <laughs> or like my daughter's little crew that she runs with her little, little
1: seven-year-old friends, and they definitely have a pecking order set up, and so do turkeys. And yeah, so does just
0: about everything. That's right. It's a real thing.
1: <laughs> well, Rob, we can't thank you enough for spending the time. You've been extremely gracious with us. and. My goodness, the stories! It's 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 been a real pleasure for us.
0: You could pretty much bet on the fact that we're going to reach back out to you and have you back on, <laughs> so that we can totally. steal more yeah. of your time.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, anytime, guys. Good luck to you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Good luck, safe hunting, and uh, we'll see you hopefully soon.
2: Yeah. Pretty good. Thanks for answering the call. All right, we'll
0: do. Bye, bye, Rob. Bye, bye. Cool. Cool
1: conversation
0: yeah I think that may have been two of my favorite podcasts I mean we've done over a hundred of these that was probably two of my more favorite podcasts we've done
1: completely yeah and the fact that he knows shotgun red
0: I, oh, I don't know. Really? Well, and well, as soon as, as you started, TNA. no, I never had TNN. As soon as you started getting into it, and you're 40, I'm 38, but you're actually like a 50 year old 40. Mm-hmm. And I love hee haw. Yeah, I eat pickles. you're really into old stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're really into. Old, tell me about Tim. What's Tim like? He's he's really into old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so so like, as soon as you start geeking out, I'm like, yeah, this yeah. makes sense. Well, I didn't go down the Ernest Borgnine rabbit hole. I wanted oh, to so badly. As soon so as he badly. said his
0: name, you're like, oh. <laughs> he was on Airwolf.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't have Brad back on.
0: Well, that was good, Rob. Yeah. Rob, you know, <clears throat> Dad and Mark have such a. They revere Robs in so many ways, and to hear him speak. Have you ever had a chance to hear him I, speak no. publicly? No, it's pretty special. He's got a real gift, and uh, you know, I, we, you know, he wouldn't ever state it this way, but those. 30 years he spent at the NWTF. I mean, he he is responsible for, I think, for a lot of the modern day hunting that we get to enjoy from the conservation side, from the television side. Mm-hmm. You heard him tell the story about kind of breaking through the glass yeah. there. It, it, he's a special individual and, and we're lucky to uh, have had him kind of in the ranks and still in the ranks of, of conservation minded uh, organizations and doing the kind of work that he's doing. Yeah. He's not done. He doesn't seem like he's slowing down. At no, the soon. no, he's hunted. I, I mean, it, this is off air when he was talking about it, but it was exhausting listening to, where all he, he's gone. You know, we talk about Mark's Turkey Tour. Rob's Turkey Tour puts it's Mark's like to march. shame. Mar- yeah. Mark's like a rookie. <laughs> rookie ball. <laughs> yeah, he's been to Mexico and just all over the place. Yeah, so it's he's a special guy. We're lucky that we got to have him on. Fortunate to have him. Yeah, so. All right. That was awesome. It was. It was. We have an awesome show. More
1: people should listen to
0: it. Yeah. Well, you Take know what? The, the cool part about the podcast, you know, we're over a hundred episodes in, we're just now hitting our stride. Like we're, we're, you know, we have uh new, uh, things that are coming down the pipeline that we're going to showcase here in the coming months. Uh, hopefully new set design. We got a new, uh, title sponsor, you know, it's just, it's really exciting. We're going to hopefully have a new logo, uh, redesign. We're really kind of a relaunch, a rebrand of the podcast itself. And, you know, this would be, I think our third year Doing it, and we're kind of finally to the point where I feel like we know what we're doing to an extent, and, and hopefully, we can start really um, uh, taking the show to new levels. Yeah.
1: And, and if, if folks have things that they want to see, if they are certain features that they want or that they want to see more of or less of in the show, mm. they can let us know via Deercast or yeah. social media.
0: Maybe they want a whole show about wildlife words. Why do you say that so <laughs> smarmily? <laughs> I love. Is that a word? Is that a wildlife it's, it's, word? It's now an adverb. I love the segment because it's so different, it, and well, it brings comedy to the show. That's why I like it. You <laughs> Com- know, Com- I have ignorance. I had no idea in the last podcast we did that we were it was going to be a word about sexual orientation <laughs> sexual and, and, and we yep. had just talked about how we were going to try to stay out of the gutter Bad timing. and then you're like wildlife word is sexual <laughs> I'm like
1: oh never mind <laughs> so, you know so much so much of the biological world is about passing on genetic information that's Sure, Tim. 90% of what the biological world is about. and So it's just kind of by nature what it is. Yeah, okay. So you got a, a long... I'm not going to say anything.
0: I'm just All right, right. Let's. so let's get to the <laughs> housekeeping. We got to end the show here. We got a few things uh, to talk about. Uh, you know, we got a farm giveaway going on Deercast. We do. If you haven't entered... I'll be honest. You got a pretty good shot right now winning the monthly prizes. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that are entered, but it's not like it's you're talking lottery type proportions. So totally. yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's over in DeerCast. If you don't have the app, it's a revolutionary uh, deer uh, movement predictor called DeerCast. It's free in the App Store. We got a bunch of cool changes coming down the the line here for uh, version two of it that will launch this summer, hopefully here in June. Yeah. And um, of course, as as always, Tim Chelsvik. Tim
1: Chelsvik, <laughs> you <laughs> no, can check.
0: We, we, we've got the the PSE Summer Shootout that's in effect right now. That's right. That's right. I I digress. Yeah. Started May first, and this is a pretty cool deal going on. So. There's a place called SOE Hunt. Uh, Mike Strawphones owns it, operates it down in Texas. He's got two, two facilities, but the one that we're going to be giving away trophy hunt to is down in South Te- Texas. It's where John O'Dell's killed a bunch of his big deer. Yep. And um, we're just giving away a hunt. We're teaming up with PSE. And all you got to do is go to your local dealer Just test test drive drive. a PSE. You don't even have to buy it. You have to test drive it. Uh, I believe you have to go over to Mm psesummershootout.com and enter. But it's a pretty cool deal. And... You don't even have to buy the product, but we do want you to try it out because, you know, I think PSE has come a long way since kind of the bow that I think a lot of people used to shoot back in the 80s and the 90s. You yeah. know, we've been with them since probably '07 oh, ish mm-hmm. and the bows these days are unbelievable. The technology they have behind them and, and the engineering that they have behind them really does set them apart in a lot of ways. But, you know, Matthews and Hoyt, and the, the, there's a lot of great bows out there. No doubt. And um, it, it's tough to just get people to try. It's kind of like that old conversation about, oh, my dad drove a Chevy and his dad drove a Chevy yeah, and I drive a Chevy. And, um, you know, and I understand that. I, I understand that argument. Uh, but what we're trying to do is just educate. And like I said, you're you do not even have to. Just give it a try. Put it in your hand. See what you think about it. Uh, and you have a chance to win a hunt down at uh, SOE Hunts in South Texas this fall. The This uh, deal's going from May 1st to June 30th. So you got to enter. Got a and, couple months to uh, try just it out. Get
1: in. And, and it's good to support your local archery shop. Yeah. Make sure yeah, you do that.
0: Absolutely. So. Just want to kind of get those kind of housekeeping items uh, out there before we depart. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And this month is the Morrell Targets giveaway in DeerCast. For the 30 year anniversary. So if your backyard shooting range needs an upgrade, they're giving away a full lineup of their targets. So definitely make sure that if you're not already entered, because you just need to enter once and then you're, you're, you're good for all
0: subsequent prizes. Basically, we're giving away, literally think about this. We're giving away all the gear you need through the farm giveaway. Yep. We're giving away a farm. Yep. And then with this PSE summer shootout, we're giving away a hunt. So we're, we're going full circle. It's our 30th anniversary this year as Jury Outdoors. And uh, the only
1: additional thing we could do is pull the bow back for you.
0: Yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> just, you just got to really go participate. <laughs> that's all we need is some participation.
1: It, it, it is really cool though, to be able to give away so much stuff. And that's and thanks to our great partners that yeah. are willing to, to get on board and help out. So we Absolutely. appreciate that. We appreciate folks listening. And um, that's just kind of the heart of what we do. All right, let's wrap it up and it. Uh, put a nail start, in this I'll coffin. Stop
0: talking, right? No, meow, right? Meow, <laughs> right? Meow. All right. Until next time, we appreciate you. Thank you for watching. Peace out.